Do you know somebody with a life-threatening food allergy? Well, today we're talking with Katherine Kais, author of Katie Can't Eat Nuts, to see what it's like to live with a life-threatening food allergy and what we can do to make them feel more included at the table. All the nutrition information out there today, everything's conflicting, completely confusing. How are we supposed to be healthy if even the experts can't agree? This is Outspoken Nutrition. I'm your host, Laura Timbrook, and we're going to break it all down. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us on the Outspoken Nutrition Podcast. I am really excited about being able to talk about this because I know as a mom, my kids are a little bit older, but I know when they were little, while they really didn't have too many food allergies, there was always their friends that would come over that had the food allergies, and I was probably not the greatest hostess at it. So I love that we can have this conversation and really talking about, you know, families with food allergies, how we can work through this. So if you want to go ahead and let everybody know a little bit about what you do. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm so excited to be here. So thank you, Laura, for having me. Um, So a quick background on me. So my name is Catherine Kais um, and I am a health coach now. Um, And growing up, I had a food allergy that was different from my peers. So I grew up with a nut allergy and it was life-threatening for me. So later in life, I developed gluten intolerance, which led me to the health coaching track. But at the time, um, the nut allergy was just sort of, I'd had it since I could speak. um, And I just acclimated growing up. And so my mom had to, obviously, as a mother, adjust to her child having a food allergy um, and the life-threatening nature of it. And what was interesting was my food allergy evolved as I grew up. So um, some kids will grow out of food allergies. I spoke to a pediatrician recently who said um, that tree nut allergies are not one of those that was commonly uh, grown out of. But as we grew, as we, those of us with nut allergies, um, the analogy is you have a glass of water and with every exposure, that glass is filling with water. And then eventually it will overflow. The challenge is you don't know how big your glass is. So that's the kind of like a nice analogy that always kind of made sense for me. Um, and just a reminder to take it seriously because you don't know exactly what that tipping point will be for somebody to have an anaphylactic response, which does, it is life-threatening. And that's the part that, um, is the scary part. And it's also very scary to watch. So growing up with that, um, my mom was very mindful of educating those around me, educating me so that I could speak to what my, you know, sensations were like my ears are itching, my lips are swelling, my throat just is scratching and like closing. Um, and things of that nature. And then from there, I just sort of navigated it through the rest of life. And I was very fortunate, I think, to be born in a Western country um, that has so many options because a lot of kids who might be not as fortunate as I would, would have to navigate it without as many alternatives. So yeah. And it's interesting that you, you know, you and I are probably similar in ages. So there wasn't a lot of kids growing up with some severe life-threatening allergies at that time. So it's not like we had, well, at least, I don't know, maybe there was sunflower butter, but I never heard of sunflower butter growing up. Um, I think soy butter was one that was like the precursor to sunflower seed butter and like all the other butters that have become so trendy. Um, But it was definitely not tasty since like compared to this wow butter brand that I've tried recently that actually tastes like what I remember like a Jif peanut butter tasting like. Um, but you, no, you're absolutely right. Like I don't feel as though there were that many of us who had a severe allergy. It was usually like they were allergic to cats or something, but not something that was like significant that you kind of had to take into account if you were hosting a child for a play date or something like what you were talking about earlier. 
Oh, absolutely. And that's kind of the, now I think there's so many options that we have, but being back then and having to learn to navigate that, that's pretty amazing. And I love that you created a book to help families do that. But what are some of the challenges as you were growing up? What were some of the biggest challenges that you had to face? That's um, Thank you. That's a great question. I would say the biggest one that really had long lasting impacts for me that I've explored um, my entire life has just been that feeling of isolation. So even I just felt different than other kids. Um, I was a lot more sensitive to foods. I had to almost be, especially as a kid um, prior to middle school and definitely before high school and college um, prepped with, Hey, when you go there, you need to be doing this very cautious of if you're going to this person's house, telling the parent, So it was a lot more attention that was put on me. And I just felt like I was different. Um, And that, that was definitely challenging, especially in those formative years when you are developing your self-identity, your self-concept, how you see the world, your belief systems, things like that. Um, So that was a big one. And then I would say to helping other people understand how serious it was because it was such a foreign concept. And so people, again, would liken it to like, um, Oh, well, if I have, I remember my aunt had a citric acid allergy, which is also really weird. And she would kind of like break out a little bit around her mouth, but that didn't threaten her life. And so it's hard to kind of relay to somebody who hasn't had the experience of such a severe situation, um, why it matters and no, really this is serious and we need to take immediate action. Like she can't even be near X, Y, Z. Yeah. And that had to be difficult as a child too, just on your stress level, like how much is put on you. I know before we started recording, I was telling you the one time we had a kid over and they had, I believe it was a peanut allergy. I'm not hundred percent sure, but the mom was like, oh, don't worry. They know what they can have. And I, at the time, I want to say they were like eight years old. And I was like, oh man, like the stress that goes on that eight-year-old to know what they can and cannot have. And the mom was telling me that they were a better ingredient reader than they were and at only eight years old because they were so used to everything they ate. They were reading since they could start reading. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, But it is complex. Like what you're describing is that it's incredible that that child was empowered to own his or her own health and be educated and understand and um, be part of the solution and part of the experience versus somebody passing it down to them. Um, But at the same time, the child is eight. And so that's a lot of responsibility for the person's own self that usually we don't step into, I, I would say, until probably college. So that child probably grew up very quickly having to navigate that. Yeah. And you figure, I mean, so many times, like, there's an exposure to everything, you know, whether you're at a birthday party and I'm sure, you know, you've had, you've gone through this, it's birthday parties, you know, food is a part of really almost every day, every part of life. Yes. And to always have to have that on the back of your plate is a lot. And you know, what are some things of us that don't have allergies, or I shouldn't say don't have allergies, but don't have life-threatening allergies. How can we help people with life-threatening allergies navigate things a little bit easier? 
That's a great question and very empathetic. So thank you for asking that on behalf of kids with food allergies everywhere. Uh, I would say definitely bringing things to schools, which I feel like schools are very mindful. Teachers are very mindful of this these days, um, especially in larger cities because information is more available. Um, Asking, you know, what are the food allergies? What are the food sensitivities in the classroom? Um, And I would say educating your own children, your own communities and friends with kids um, on why it's important to take this seriously, um, but not coming from such a heavy place of fear. And I think that's a very delicate balance because you want to educate and you want to inform, um, at the same time, you don't want it to be this like terrifying, paralyzing, shutting down reaction. You need the person to be kind of open and receptive and, um, creatively think through it just for the overall welfare of the support system. Um, so I would say that I would also say exactly what you're talking about with that child is read the labels. So know what nuts or whatever the food allergy might be, um, and know how to identify those in ingredient lists, because that's going to be key. Um, and then two, if you are hosting kids for play dates or you are going to a picnic or a party or things like that, um, having options for kids that are not so different where it's like, this kid is getting all these things and, oh, and making a big deal out of like, oh, you can't have a packaged snack. You're having a banana. That's all we could come up with. Now, granted, if everybody's having bananas or like you give bananas to everybody and the, the one kid like just doesn't get the whatever else it is that might be different. Um, at least that's an inclusive, excuse me, exclusive. Oh my goodness. Inclusive method um, to kind of bring them all together. So having the snacks that are accessible to the kid Um, And fruit is a good one. And fruit is a good snack for any kid, whether or not they have allergies, Um, as well as um, there are some really great safe granola bars, too, that are easy. Like I remember the Quaker oat was one that was easy for me. Um, Again, not the peanut butter version, like read the label. Um, And now they have kind bars that are nut free, which is awesome. The yeah. Yeah, they're really good. They're not the like protein version, but there's one that's this blueberry something. Um, and oh my gosh, they're so good. And kind is my favorite granola. It's nut free. It's low sugar. Um, and that's one of my, my go-tos for pretty much everything. You know, and that's a really good option. I love how you said to, if you're giving somebody a banana, give everybody the banana, whether the kids eat it or not, it's one, it's promoting good, healthy habits. So that's a good thing to begin with. But more than that, it's creating that inclusivity like you were talking about where they're not different now. You know, I know we have, my one daughter has another friend where her sister is celiac. So really careful on gluten. And she has been like this since she's really been born. And, you know, it's always making sure that whenever, you know, the parents bring the snack that they're bringing, here's the gluten-free snacks. And it's nice because you have other kids that maybe can't have the gluten and now they have a whole snack that they can have rather than something like just the apple or the banana or that, you know, last thought of, you know, idea where it's like, oh no, I have somebody coming. And I think it's really important, especially now with kids' birthday parties, you have more availability to bakeries that are conscious of different allergies. And, you know, if you have somebody coming that's a peanut allergy, you know what? No peanuts. Like, just make the whole party safe because, you know, that was one of the things I have a friend of mine that her one son 
really allergic to peanuts, like can't even be around it, touch anything that anybody has touched. And I remember one day she was telling me her son was in the ER. She had to leave work to go to her son in the ER. They had to give him, I think it was like two epi pens to get him. And I remember thinking like, oh my goodness, did he eat it? He touched a desk that somebody ate it at. And it was just, to me first, as a mom, I was just like, oh my God, how do you ever send your kid anywhere at that point? But then like she was trying to say, she's like, well, you know, we're teaching him that anywhere he sits down, we got to wipe it down. Like you don't, you don't know. And one of the things I know we've been ever since I've learned about that, I've been more careful with my kids because my kids are a big peanut. They're big peanut kids. And you know, they, a lot of their protein bars are peanut oriented. And I'm like, if we're going to school and they actually started it, they won't eat those protein bars if they're going to school in the morning. And if they do, they're like, I have to wash my hands because they're so afraid because now it's their friends. These are their friends and they're so, so it's good to see this generation being so much more careful than generations like us were. And I even know myself before I got to know this, it was just like, you didn't understand the impact of that. I think that's a really good point is it stems from an awareness and an understanding and an acceptance. And what I hear about your children is that they're not only well-versed enough to understand what they need to as a friend of someone with a food allergy, but they're also accepting of those people and valuing what their experience is to support them in the ways that they need to. So I think that's different too. And something that's really worth celebrating is kids are a lot more accepting and they are more aware and they want to help. And um, yeah, it's just a different sensitivity that kind of is growing amongst them, which is is super cool because maybe those kids who do have the food allergies in this generation won't feel as different, which is kind of amazing. That would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? You know, and I know a lot of times when we think of allergies, I know a lot of times when we look, especially something with gluten, all the gluten-free products are generally significantly more expensive. So there becomes this whole added cost that's associated, which then becomes this whole bigger issue of, you know, how do people afford to eat healthy, right? I I use my air quotes on there because like, I know, you know, because we went to the similar school that, you know, it's less about the box, more about the fresh ingredients, right? To help navigate that. But what are some of the challenges you're seeing financially with some, because I'm assuming you work with many people with similar issues. Yes, that is such a good call out. And I feel as though it really does get understated um, that there is the, the mental health and physical health of managing a stress. So that's part of the burden, but there is that financial burden as well, because products are more expensive, um, especially for gluten-free products. So gluten-free, uh, I'm also gluten-free because of the sensitivity developed later in life. Um, and I'm dairy-free. So a lot of gluten-free, dairy-free marketed products are based in nuts. So there will be coconut, there will be almond flour, there will be all these other things. So it's tough to have that trifecta of allergies, um, because I rely very much so on fresh food. So somebody in my situation um, is spending probably a lot of their food budget on vegetables, fruits, 
whole grains, like rice, oatmeal, things like that, that I then cook. So a lot of meal prep, um, for clients and friends who have those sorts of allergies, it is the same. It's understanding, okay, how do I buy in bulk to help cut down on cost? Costco, I will tell you, my mom also shops at Walmart a lot for me. And those usually have lower price points, more options. Um, and those are very, very helpful in, in managing the budget and making it go longer. Um, also just being creative to say like, okay, we have all of this leftover rice. How can we make something that might be a little more out of the box, but like a veggie fry, fried, I'm air quoting fried rice that is super easy. It's a lot of fun and you can get rid of maybe some vegetables that like are a little iffy, but you can just chop them and put them in a pot and, or a pan with the rice. Like you just get creative with how you make your food last longer. So I would say that's what I mean the most. I love that idea because one, that information is good for anybody, regardless of allergy, diet. I mean, the availability. And I love that you were talking about the fried rice because we do a lot of rice bowls at home and it's similar. We make rice one night and then it was like lunches become rice bowls because we have all this rice and all these vegetables and rice is cheap. It's a good grain and it's a really easy way to eat vegetables and you know, we are a little bit more conscious of how much animal protein we're taking in. Um, and it's just really good ways. So, I mean, we do it, all my kids will do the rice bowls. Granted, some of them are a little less veggie heavy, <laughs> but that's okay. And kids like it. So even if you're having to put a cheese sauce on it or some, you know, hot sauce or whatever they do, it's, it's an easy way and it's a great form and it's cheap. Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing because I know a lot of these allergies can be very expensive from doctor visits yes. to medications or prod products and stuff like that. So if we could save a little bit of money, yes. that's great. And I love that you brought out the stress mm -hmm. because we know stress makes everything worse. Yes. And especially when it comes to kids. And I think a lot of times we forget the stress on kids. We always think mm -hmm. about parents as being stressed. I know um, back in August, we released a podcast called Tired Mom. And it's mm -hmm. just being about being an exhausted mom, but we forget about the stress on kids. So yes. how, how did the stress affect you as a kid and mm -hmm. into adulthood from that? Yeah. Um, I think that's a super important question to ask. I would also say as a, a slight aside, um, a lot of kids who have some sort of severe food allergy also have a corresponding immune situation. And so if, as you know, um, if you do have an immune situation, usually your gut is a little bit more prone to being out of whack and stress further suppresses the immune system, further puts stress on your gut. Um, and so it's just very important that stress in general that you're being mindful of it. Like what is giving it to you, whether you're a kid or a parent, um, what are those sources of stress? And then what for you, like your individual spirit, what helps you de-stress? And I think that also informs, um, for kids because some kids want to like run themselves ragged outside. And that's something that's just how they're wired. They need that physical activity. Others might want to read. So for me, I loved reading as a kid. That was a great stress release for me. Um, I would also say growing up, I felt the stress of my, I think I sensed my parents were stressed about my health. Even if I didn't know it consciously, I just sensed like 
this situation puts so much on them. And I took on that burden of trying to make it better for them, which as a kid is a lot to hold. Um, and it wasn't really something that I was conscious of so that I could articulate. So I think to answer your question, like how did that form form some of who I became as an adult was very much so um, just be like, don't put stress on people. Don't ask for anything. Like, don't be a burden. Don't, you know, be positive, be light, be playful, be, because I didn't want anybody to have to carry any of maybe what I was going through, which probably did start as being a child who saw some, you know, just cards that were dealt to me in this life, how that inadvertently put pressure on those around me. So I think that is part of, is part of it. Um, and I think too, because of that, I might not have had as much awareness of what I needed. I feel like self-awareness is something that kids are like really becoming much better at. Um, but actually understanding like, what do I need from whether it's Maslow's hierarchy or like, I don't know, stress or your love language or like whatever it might be that that is like what will help a child. Um, that took me a while um, into adulthood to kind of unprogram what I had interpreted reality to be as a kid. Yeah. And that's really interesting because you're right. I mean, kids really do feel our stress, mm -hmm. you know, even as teens, I know I have two teenage daughters right now. And when I am stressed, I've noticed their attitude towards me is significantly more difficult. Okay. Just, and I think a lot of it is because they are feeding off of me. You know, they know mom is stressed. I'm tired. And the other night I was trying to make dinner and my one daughter, she wanted to help because she likes cooking, but I was really pressed for time. And I was just like, just get out of the kitchen, everybody out of the kitchen. And I re the rest of the night, she was snapping at me and everything. I was like, oh man, well, she got that from me. Like I was snappy. Of course, once dinner was on the table, then I was like happy go lucky, like woohoo now. And, and she's still, and she's still reeling in it, you know, but it's interesting because I think as parents, we might put extra pressure on our kids without realizing it. And now learning how to manage that, you know, you did really good with trying to figure things out and, you know, it's it's really interesting because it's probably more of a conversation we need to be having with our kids on having to have them manage their own stress or realizing how to communicate because kids don't know how to communicate. They know how to slam doors and scream at right. you. And I think we also, at least in my experience, I look back and say to myself, but I could identify what I was feeling. Like I could put the name to, I feel angry. I feel sad. But there's as I learned later in life, there are layers to how you're feeling and why. And oftentimes we don't learn how to decode that very mystical, mysterious environment that is within us until much later. So having those kind of like, you know, open-ended questions, like what you're talking about to help your kids kind of get into the heart of maybe why they're feeling that way and help them understand what do they need to de-stress? Like, how do you tap into that inner knowing as a child? How do you teach a child to tap into that. It's a, it's a very complicated skill. Yeah. You know, and what are some of the things that we can do when we have, are there some of your favorite products that you know are a little bit more allergy safe that we can maybe keep on hand? Yes, that's great. Um, so I will say I grew up as a peanut butter and jelly kid because peanuts were a safe food for me at the time. So um, that's a comfort food for me. 
Uh, so I will have um, like a gluten-free tortilla with sunflower seed butter, which I like, and it comes in crunchy, it comes in creamy, it comes in low sugar. Like there are all these different options um, and have like a peanut butter and jelly burrito, pretty much like a roll up, which is kind of fun. And you can slice it into like the little things for kids. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, um, so that's fun. I would also say like um, any sort of sandwich that you can do in a roll up kind of way is, a, is seems to be a winner amongst um, my kid contingent. I would say two um, pretzels are an easy go-to like those you can keep in your cabinet, not open them. They'll stay fresh for a while. Um, also those kind bars, those are really good ones. And then there's a brand called made good and enjoy life. Those are two brands percent oh, yes. free of like the top nine allergens. Um, I know for a fact made good is available at Costco because I did a, an order recently and like, I got the whole bag of the little like single serve granolas for myself. Um, so those are really good. And then also the enjoy life has all sorts of different products from like crackers to bars, to cookies, to all sorts of things, um, that will also come in like that single serving. So that way, you know, you don't have to worry about things. Cause like you said, things go, if they go stale fast, you've lost your money. So how do you make it go? farther. So things like that. And then of course, like fruits, vegetables, whole grain snacks, make your own granola. That's a really fun one too. You can make your own granola as an activity. Yeah. And I love the idea of, you know, simple as pretzels, but, and then those made good, I have to say, I love those made good bars. And I'm going to give you guys all a tip during Halloween, Target sells the Halloween mini ones and they are fantastic because I know I actually will pack them in my kids' lunch boxes and they love them and it's like a special treat and they're cheaper because it's Halloween so you get the bigger bag of it. But I'll have to check out Costco because yeah, those made good bars are really, it's a really good granola bar. Yeah, they're really good. They're very good. And um, you know, so much of our lives are around food. So being able to offer that and, you know, it also teaches us to eat those fresh fruits and vegetables that we all know are good for us. And we could focus more on that diet that's of fresh fruits and vegetables. That's always a benefit. So whether you have an allergy or you don't, it's always good to, you know, keep those foods on hand and use them. And if they start turning a little bit, throw them in a smoothie. That's right. Or do the soups or, you know, mm -hmm. like there's so many ways to use them. It's just a matter of being creative and yeah. And, you know, I know you actually were talking about it before and I want to kind of circle back to it real quick, but I know a lot of people are get misunderstood between a peanut allergy and a tree nut allergy. So you want to explain that for people a little bit? Yes. So um, peanuts are considered legumes. So they actually grow in the ground. And that's the difference between a peanut and a tree nut. So tree nuts, um, as their name indicates, grow on trees, um, and include like macadamias, cashews, walnuts, pecans, almonds, pistachios. Those are the main ones, the, the ones I'm the most common, or the ones that are most common to me. Um, and pretty much you can just, the symptoms of an anaphylactic response are the same regardless of what the allergen is. Um, but peanuts are just a little bit of a different breed than the rest of the nuts. For me, I was a tree nut kid um, all the way up until probably 10 years ago. And then I developed a sensitivity to peanuts and coconut. So those are kind of funny that you have to kind of be careful um, about the sensitivity there. Cause sometimes a kid with an allergy or a person with an allergy will cross pollinate and they'll be allergic to both. 
um, the tree nut and the peanut or coconut and tree nuts. Um, so it's just an awareness of kind of how does this kid have this allergy? Like, what does this mean to this child to, yeah, just asking those questions. Yeah. And I think that's a really good idea. Like if you have family, friends, your kids, friends, understanding what their allergies are because i could tell you this past year my daughter's in high school they were on the high school lacrosse league and her best friend since she has had since she was in like fourth grade i never knew she had a dairy allergy so here my daughter is like can you run to the store and get us something to eat as they're like waiting for the varsity game to finish up so all season I was going, I was getting them pizzas and, you know, just quick carbs and just anything I could grab at like the local Target or grocery store, whatever was around, not knowing all season this poor girl couldn't, because she had a dairy allergy. Trying to make it work. Well, that's exactly what she would do. She would take the cheese off the pizza because it wasn't severe enough where it would, she would just get stomach cramps and stuff like that. But I just felt so bad. It's like, I've known you since fourth grade and I never knew she had a day out of hour. so funny. And she didn't think to say it either, which is interesting. Someone should should tell you that she has a food intolerance. Well, and the fact that my daughter didn't even say anything. I'm like, all season I was buying this kid pizza. So funny. I know. I was like, so now I'm like, okay, we're definitely taking like count of, yeah. I don't care if you're 16 yeah. or not. I want to yes. know if you have an it's allergy. It's like pretest to like know where everybody is every year when you're yeah. going to school. Like, what did you retain from last year? It's like you start doing one for your kids' friends to be like, okay, so last year you didn't have food allergies. I just want to reevaluate what's going on with you this year. Well, and you know, that's a good point too, because even though sometimes they're not allergies, maybe they're sensitivities or maybe it's dietary choices. You know, my daughter decided a few years ago, she made friends with a local cow at the dairy farm and she wasn't eating beef. It's been like six years. She will not eat beef. And it's just, it's funny because every now and then my mom's like, I made like meatloaf. And it's like, all right, we're going to have to grab something from (laughs) my daughter because she ain't eating it. Um, but it's just funny when you you think of things like that. And that's probably a good question to have is have these conversations. You know, is there something you prefer? Is there something that you don't eat? And understanding that because I know when you start dealing with even, you know, you deal with the kids with the younger allergies and you're trying to figure out as you're navigating. And then it seems like when you hit the teens, you have the kids with the allergies or the kids that have made different dietary choices. Too, as we become more of um, a melting pot of individuals, no matter where you're living, you're also going to run into cultures that have certain food leanings. So it's almost just a really relevant question to ask as we evolve as individuals and like communities. That's so true. And, you know, having that open conversation about food, keeping fresh fruits and vegetables available, because for the most part, I mean, they're pretty safe for for a lot of people, you know, and just really getting back to cooking our own food and having that availability and things like that. And I know you wrote a great book called Katie Can't Eat Nuts. You want to talk a little bit about Thank your book? Thank you. I would love to. So um, yes, as a result of me having the food allergy, the nut allergy as a child. So well, you can see it back there too, but here's Katie. Um, so as a result of me growing up with what I described earlier and then getting into health coaching where I realized that there was just an absence of information available around various health topics. And there are also stigmas attached to various things. There's mystification around it. There's complexity that we just don't know how to navigate and it's intimidating. Um, 
And then I have just a sweet spot for kids in general. And so I was thinking like, how could I actually help make this conversation easier? How can I make this better? And so I was sitting at uh, my computer on a Saturday actually, and the story just kind of came to me. And so I wrote the story about Katie and um, it was important to me too, that you can kind of tell from her, um, her vibe that she has a really good energy. And that was important to me too, that I, I don't want, I didn't want to continue uh, the misconception that kids who have a health problem or kids with a food allergy don't have energy or they aren't as vibrant or as feisty. Like I wanted them to know, yes, you are feisty. Yes, you are athletic. You can do just the same things that everybody else can do. Um, and so I worked with an illustrator who kind of really translated it very well to give Katie this energy around her. Um, and the book does talk, it normalizes food allergies to say like, you know, she's the same as many other kids who, um, I eat lunch with their friends who make pancakes with their dads or their moms on the weekend. Um, but they also do have a food allergy and it talks to the things that she can eat to focus on more of that positive spin. And then also talking about, you know, how she learned about that food allergy and how she was uncomfortable um, and what it feels like when she does have some sort of outbreak or some sort of um, exposure and she doesn't feel well and she feels different. And so that was important to me too. And to make it engaging, I don't know if you remember this from when we were kids, but do you remember those magazines, highlights, the highlights magazines? They had, okay. So I loved those highlights magazines and they always made everything better for me. Um, so I also wanted to incorporate that kind of nostalgia. So it's like match the socks. Um, this is a find the hidden images where you can look in the doctor's office, which was important too, that I wanted to like have a doctor's office be fun and not just a place of scariness. Um, and there are riddles and um, decorate the pancakes and things like that. So, oh, and don't worry if you get stuck, the answers are in the back. So, uh, <laughs> so that, that was Katie Can't Eat Nuts um, that I wanted to, to bring to the world as part of, I guess, a little bit of an extension of my story, but also to kind of help normalize food allergies for kids everywhere. And I think that's so true. And, you know, I love the idea of, you know, sometimes we think of allergies of what we can't have. But there's so many other options of what we can have. And it's that idea of getting creative, doing the research. I mean, there's so many now mom Facebook groups that can help and support systems. So I think it's really important as the parents, the caregivers, the guardians that we, you know, educate ourselves. But having the opportunity for kids to educate them their own selves because they do they grow up in a world of I can't eat and you know having them flip that script and saying but these are all the foods I can have and they can be fun they don't have to be the boring foods because I think a lot of times we think of kids with allergies as they get the boring foods and you know what there's some really cool foods out there I mean going back to made good they have the rice crispy bars yes. now there could be some fun foods. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the flipping of the script. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to come on the podcast. Can you tell everybody where they can get your book or find out more about you? And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Laura, for having me. Um, so Katie Can't Eat Nuts is available at Barnes & Noble, barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, Target, Walmart, and also at local bookstores. So even if they don't have it on the shelves, they can order it for you if you would prefer to shop local. 
Very cool. So if you guys have a kid with allergies, know somebody with allergies, or even just buy one and donate it to your school, I think this would be so important that we start normalizing these allergies, that we have these conversations so everyone can reduce their stress, feel inclusive, and still enjoy everything. So Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Go check out Katie Can't Eat Nuts and don't forget to eat your effing veggies. I'll talk to you all next week.